Hi, Josh. Hi, Ellie. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. Good. Getting ready to put, uh, have everybody listen to Zach Dangler's episode. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's called User-Centered Design Every Day. Mm-hmm. We were just out driving around running some errands and talking about uh, places where user could be, user, where <laughs> does UCD. stuff could be better in the world. Yeah. Like intersections. Intersections, I mean, like, that's one of the things we're, we want to bring up um, with our decluttering episode is, I mean, the whole thing behind it is centering your own personal space, the space you live in, around, like, y- how you use it. Mm-hmm. And without all the crap. Right. In addition, uh, without all the extra layers of crap. Whilst cutting the crap. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be more Cut the Crap episodes coming up. Yeah, yeah. I think we almost have enough to do a two-parter. We cut so much crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so tired. We did about a, a hundredy parter uh, in cutting the actual crap. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, okay, so back to Zach's episode, though. User-centered design, UCD. Uh, this is great. You're going to love it, uh, I think. And You'll probably love it. You'll probably love it. Also, this is episode 27, which means that we're three episodes away from our live episode. Yep. Which is episode 30. Yep. We're going to be recording that, and then, boom, it's going to be in your ears. A week, well, it'll be the the following Sunday. Right, I mean. The event is on a Monday. Yep. You knew that, right? Yep. And then. Wait a month, what? What day is it? It's a Monday. And you have to leave work early. The what? To do sound check. (laughs) Monday, April 25th. And if you don't have tickets yet, uh, it kind of sold out. You're kind of out of luck Mm. this time. This time. But next time, you're maybe going to be in luck. Uh, depending on the actions you take. <laughs> yeah, that's all on you. Don't don't put that on us. We told you every <laughs> week. <laughs> all right, let's go to the episode. All right. Three, two, one, go. Are we, yep. are we recording? We are recording right now. Cool. This second. Awesome. Hi, Zach. Hi, Ellie. How are you? I'm great. Hi, Josh. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Hi. Zach. Hey, Josh. <laughs> we always do awkward introductions. Awk- awkward hellos. Hello. It's icebreakers. Uh, we're here today with our friend Zach Naylor, and he is the founder and CEO of Aurelius. Did I say it right? Aurelius. Aurelius. Do you want to tell our listeners what that is? Yeah. So Aurelius is a software where we help people more clearly connect their project goals, research insights, design and product decisions, and how to measure that all in one place. Cool. What do you mean how to measure that? Well, so here's the thing. We build digital products and services all the time, Mm -hmm. and we say we want to determine whether or not it's successful. Right. But that's usually anecdotal. So one of the things Aurelius actually does is give you recommendations on actual metrics you can use, you should use, specific to decisions you made and goals you had on your project. How How does it do that? I can't tell you exactly I how it does know. that. I want to know. That is a proprietary know. formula. Yes. Okay. Formulae. But it's pretty cool. It sounds cool. I'm insanely biased, but I think it's pretty cool. Well, sure. As the CEO, you would be. <laughs> the very fancy CEO. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you want to talk about any other of your work? 
It depends on to what you mean specifically. Off. No, Aurelius uh, definitely takes, right yes, much, much, much more of my time Kay. than anything else. Good. Cool. Uh, well, that's exciting. So we wanted to chat today with you about user-centered design. And I had this idea because I know this is very um, near and dear to your heart. Mm. I wanted to talk about how we could bring user-centered design into our daily lives, even if we're not designers, because we're all users of things. Mm -hmm. So I thought of a couple of examples that we'll get into. Maybe if we get to it, you probably have better examples of sure. that. But can we start out um, by just defining that? User-centered design, user what, centered we design. what we mean by that, and maybe even get in mm. a little bit to jobs to be done, because that kind of ties in. Yeah. Uh, okay. So where do we start? User-centered design is a philosophy of designing anything that you are making for other people mm -hmm. from a perspective that is solely focused on them, mm -hmm. right? So we're saying we're making something for other people, and we're going to do that with as much empathy and as much context for how we serve them best mm -hmm. first, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to all other things. Uh, it's probably useful in defining that to, to consider a couple different kinds of design philosophies. Mm -hmm. And not that any are right or wrong, but there is, uh, there's like self-design, right? Which is essentially saying, I am designing something to solve a problem I know that I have. Mm. And that's the way I usually like to frame it. And mm -hmm. so user-centered design is, is understanding somebody else's problem as well as you possibly can to solve that. Whereas self-design is, you understand that really well because you are designing to solve your own problem. But what if you're sure. just like everybody else and therefore self-design is user-centered design? Well, some would try to argue that. I know you can't be a hipster and say that. Well, I'm, ki I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, some would actually argue that. And that's why, I mean, that's why I kind of exasperated when you said, let's define what that means because the UX industry as a whole over the last five years has literally been trying to do that. And I've just largely removed myself from the conversation sure. because I don't care the definition of it insofar as to say what I want to do. And frankly, the biggest reason why we made Aurelius mm -hmm. is what we want to do is set forward very clear goals on what we're trying to achieve, both for us as people making the thing and for the people we're making it for. Mm -hmm. And we want to find what that common ground is. And yep. Ellie has heard this speech from me a number of times, right? You've got an understanding of what you're trying to achieve. You have an understanding of what your customers want. It never fully overlaps 100%, right. but you find that percentage that does overlap. That executing on that really, really well tends to give companies the greater chance of success. And this is actually, this is actually backed up by, again, metrics Science. and measurements now. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to call it that, Depends on the article you read. Data <laughs> science. Whether or not you want to, <laughs> you know, you can pass it off as science. But um, so I guess at the end of the day, the point is doing everything you can to fully understand the problem of your customers, empathizing with them and understanding the things that they not just want, but they need, mm -hmm. the behavior they have today mm -hmm. and that they recently had. You can solve that problem really well. That's typically what I consider user-centered design. Self-design isn't bad. And that's why I say it's not like a right or wrong type of thing. Sure. Self-design is a lot more about saying, well, if we were designing a new website for people who make podcasts, that is appropriate self-design. Mm -hmm. We're making it for ourselves. We're solving mm -hmm. our own problem. That's totally fine. A lot of really successful products actually got launched that way. But sure. when we put our website together, we thought about not only uh, what we needed it to uh, convey to people, but how they could most easily access 
the information we wanted them to have. Mm -hmm. So that was the intersection for us. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you think about the two different approaches, on one side of the house, you could say self-design and the way you want to organize that information, mm -hmm. the way you want to label it and categorize it. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, on the other side of the house, user-centered design would suggest learn about how people are, tr A, trying to find that information today, B, what they're calling it, and then see what they're trying to do with it once they do find it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas us, it's it's different, and it could be very different. There could be overlap. But right. Well, I think that's why uh, jobs to be done and thinking about uh, what is the job of the thing that you're using and how does that tie in, I think that's really a relevant part of the conversation mm -hmm. and maybe just a slightly different way to say it. And maybe yeah. it's semantics, but thinking about the... Um, the Clayton Christensen article about the milkshake, you know, the one I'm talking about, where mm. the um, they did research about, oh, I'm going to poach this, and I'll just record, I'll just link to the actual... Uh, we could voice over. Like an, are, Josh is going to record an eagle screeching over me, <laughs> giving this butchered description of the milkshake article. Um, but basically, it's what, uh, they were trying to find a way to improve the milkshake so they started really trying to figure out what is the job of this milkshake and they f they found that people wanted it to be uh they needed it to entertain them or cure their boredom on their commute so it needed to be really thick so that it lasted for a while mm -hmm. while they're driving in the car for half an hour or whatever and i don't know they were just trying you can delete this whole part but there the i think Understanding the job to be done of the thing that you're yeah. building or designing is important because the user might not use it the way that you're assuming that right. they will. They yeah. might have a totally different purpose. 100%. Yeah, I, I actually think it's a very relevant example. Be and because the thing is, is, we work in the digital world. I know all of us do for a fact, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so you think about something like a milkshake. Um, and if you hear me talk about, and again, I mean, I'm just going to keep referring to Aurelius because frankly this is we are trying to solve do. this problem it really really yeah. is this is why we did this this, this is why, why we you're built here Aurelius. zach this is why we're talking to you today this is what we're talking this about this is the inception <laughs> <laughs> so but a milkshake okay so if you think if it was mcdonald's i don't know mcdonald's had a goal to say we want to sell more milkshakes or we want to improve the process of selling milkshakes. whatever it might be there was like some business goal there right so then on the flip side of that we say how do we best serve our customers who want milkshakes while fulfilling this business goal. Mm -hmm. This is this is the thing, right? Like people are not thinking about that. They're thinking either A, how do we make the best milkshake in the world? Or they're thinking solely of how do we make the process of creating milkshakes the most efficient? And those two things can have um, opposing right. uh, resolutions, right? Yeah. But there's often overlap. So the point being, if you have a good connection between those two things, you then understand what questions you should ask. Mm-hmm. Now, it's really easy to find that out internally in your company. Uh, you go and talk to the people who own the success of this thing. Mm -hmm. right. Hopefully somebody does. Hopefully that's clear. That's Somebody's a whole other <laughs> podcast, right? <laughs> um, but then on the other side of that is you say, okay, if we are to achieve the things we want on our end of the, the, the company's end of things, right. what do we need to learn from our customers in order to facilitate that well? And exactly what you're describing is, well, just that behavior. They made an assumption, first of all, which isn't bad so long as you iterate on that assumption. Right. That's still user-centered design. But even if you don't, going at it ahead of time and saying, wow, we should really go and learn why milkshake sales are happening in the morning. Because yeah. that would What's be an What's that odd. about? <laughs> yeah. We know we want to make it more efficient so we can tailor it towards the morning, but we want to understand why that's mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. Right. So 
Too. I don't know. There's no real period on the end of that, but I think it's <laughs> I, I think it's a really Well, I think one of my favorite digital examples getting back to digital is um I can't tell you how many websites cuz all of this seems so obvious. I mean, you're we're listening to this conversation we're like, well, duh, of course if you're making a website, you would make it for the person using the website. But how many times have you looked at a website and it's completely organized? The entire information architecture is organized around the business, the way the business is mm -hmm. organized. Mm -hmm. You can, you can, if you know anything about the business that you're for the website that you're looking at, you can see the business verticals <laughs> listed in. Oh the yeah. that's the top level yeah. navigation, and it, they don't give a shit who what the users actually. Who gives a shit how your business <laughs> is organized except for you, the people yeah. that want that information from yeah. you? Really don't care. So. I think people w would be surprised how many like how many times that's happened and how mm -hmm. things that they look at you just kind of look at it and gloss over but it's not made for them at all. It's extreme navel gazing, right? Mhm. Mm <laughs> and, and that's and so the thing is is they approached it from a, a self-designed perspective or Yeah. You know, there's like another one and and I am totally stealing these from Jared Spool by the way, but uh, genius design, which is to suggest that you are a quote-unquote genius. You've solved a problem like this many, many, many times before. Mm -hmm. So let's say you work in the healthcare industry and you've created a number of uh, healthcare portals in your lifetime. You mm -hmm. generally get how that problem gets solved, so you kind of have this repeatable pattern in your own head, whatever. Now, they could have gone about that one of two ways. You know who's great at navigating that site, Ellie? Mm. The people who work at that company. Right. right. So it actually works yeah. really, really well. The yes. problem was they didn't have, again, nobody they did else. Not they did not set the perspective of, because there are different types of goals. Mm -hmm. And this really is a foundation of what Aurelius is, is there are business goals and there are goals for your customer experience. Mm -hmm. Those two things should be symbiotic, but people don't often think of the latter part, right? Mm -hmm. They say, we want to increase this metric or see more of this or improve this on the business end of things. Yep. A lot of companies, um, despite how sophisticated we've gotten in product development, mm -hmm. uh, often neglect the other part, defining the other part, which is to say, if we are going to increase sales in this division for this product, one of the things we need to do for our customers is make it easier to use or increase engagement or mm -hmm. improve adoption or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is, even as I'm listing those off, you can see how those immediately plug right into business metrics, like, right. like real tangible stuff, right? but people aren't doing it. right? And so that's one of the things Aurelius actually tries to help us do is, is we're Figure out what that is, because as soon as I tell you, Ellie, we want to make it easier to use. We already start to get a picture of what questions we need to ask about whatever effort we have, whether it's a brand new product or improving an existing one. Right. We we have an idea of how we should move forward. Mm -hmm. Right. What questions to ask? How we can ask those questions? What kind of research? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then once we've gathered that kind of information, we can tie all of that back up again. And here's why this is huge: we can tie all that back up to something that's actually important for moving the needle in the business. Yes. But people aren't doing that work. And yeah. it's, and I'm not criticizing here. It's really hard. Hence why we're trying to solve this problem with software, because we can. But uh, at the end of the day, that is what a truly user-centered process is. It's allowing your customers, your users, whatever you want to call them, to frankly help you define even what your business goals are. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a scary thought for a lot of folks. Yeah. So there's really only... I guess one of my biggest fears in product development is how do we know we're looking at the right numbers and how do we know we're not um, so myopically focused on the, the numbers that we have chosen that we're 
overlooking. You're not ignoring the dog, are you? I was. I was trying to push her, push him away. Um, T is going to keep taking. It's because you let him in his lap before. (laughs) In your lap before. (laughs) That's all right. Uh, It's user-centered design. We'll we'll design a better process around telling people not to pet Dobby. We're going to design a better dog (laughs) (laughs) to have, and it will be invisible, and it won't stink. And it won't make noise. Yeah. It won't live here. <laughs> um, the the uh, you know what if we've chosen the these two numbers and they and they're wrong and I guess so I have a couple of questions mm-hmm. buried in here. One is, do you see in the in the clients that you're working with in in Aurelius? Do you see repeat like there's there's a couple of core metrics that people should be looking at like engagement and advocacy or mm. retention and referral or whatever the like the two magic numbers are or are they different depending on the type of business and how do you keep people who really want to look at something else but you know that's vanity metrics or you know mm-hmm. it's it's bs and it's mm-hmm. not going to help them actually grow their business how do you keep them away from that yes i'm going to answer your question i think <laughs> very differently than you anticipate okay cool so the first thing is when i talk about improving usability, making it easier to use, or improving engagement. That is simply a stated goal. There aren't any underlying metrics there because as you have, I know for a fact, sat in a room with me in the (laughs) past, um, the first thing I will ask somebody, even when they say that that's their goal, especially engagement, it's my favorite one to pick on. Right. Everybody says we want want to improve engagement, increase engagement. What the fuck does that mean? The first question I ask is define that. Mm -hmm. Because everybody should actually have a different answer to that. There isn't a metric. There mm-hmm. isn't the combina- There isn't the magic combination it's a group. of metrics. It's a category. True, but the thing is, is it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like a roll of the, of the dice depending on not only what industry you're in, also depending on where you are in your product life cycle for that thing. If it's something brand new as opposed to improving something that's been around for 30 years mm-hmm. and the customers that you're trying to serve, right? And just like generally what kind of product that is. The way I would measure engagement for a mobile app is incredibly different than milkshakes, mm-hmm. right? Now, here's the thing. Once we figure all that out, and, and let me just wrap that up with the point to say, those are stated goals. You can tie metrics to stated goals once you've defined it, mm-hmm. right? Now, those metrics you tie to that are indicative then of some larger business goal, the, right? So here's where we're seeing that separation, that real separation. Yeah, why do you need the engagement? Exactly. What right. are you getting? Exactly get right. Of it? So if we improve engagement, so what? We all get a pat on the back? No. <laughs> it should do something for the business, right. right? Which we aren't necessarily meant to own or define. Right. We can we can have a, a hand in that because we should be having mm-hmm. a conversation of saying, engagement means this for us. Um, here's how we'll know whether or not we've seen improved engagement, and most importantly, here's what that means upline, or whatever laterally across the business. Right? Sure. Do you? How much of that do you use to define your um, product roadmap? Mm. <laughs> there's the ideal answer. How do you answer. make a product roadmap? There's an <laughs> I, there's the ideal answer, and then there's what happens today. What do you do? I want to know the truth. It's proprietary information. <laughs> Wait, are you asking how Aurelius does? Or are you asking how I do that? Uh, I, well, I guess essentially R one and the same. But. Well, I mean, do you get in there with your customers and help them define that, or do you, do you get to that point? Well, I yeah. I mean, I, again, knowing ideally, that that I crosses would. over into service industry type. No, stuff, I don't think it does at all. Um, again, the labels in the design field and the definition of those things is mm-hmm. just maddening. Yeah. You can spend 
months just reading on what people's opinions are and definitions and what they mean. Yeah. And then, by the way, you'll walk out the other end with no idea what the hell that even right. means. Because it's different for everybody. <laughs> just follow UI versus UX on Twitter. <laughs> And you'll get a great giggle because they're fine. Somebody has finally created a parody account of just like literally taking random shit saying this versus this is equivalent to UI versus UX. I'm doing this right hmm. now. And it's bananas. It's great because it's, it's, it's pointing the finger right it, back at us. UI which it should. versus UX. Yeah. Oh it's, my I've, it looks like UIV sucks when you look <laughs> at it right now. <laughs> I've uh, long been a fan of, of um, user centered design because mm. Um, I don't know, there's there's so many instances in my life where people have been working really hard on a problem, but when it comes down to it, no one really even cares about what the answer to that problem is. Yeah. And if they would have asked any any customers that have ever had an issue with the product, they, they would have found a, a host of other things they could have been spending their time and money on. That is absolutely right <laughs> oh man i don't there's so much for me to say on that topic so let's just look at it in two yeah. different ways right there is you're talking about new product creation new product or service or or it or could revamping. be existing yeah, yeah it could be existing but let's just let's just mm -hmm. let's dive into both sure for a moment so in new product creation the the first thing user-centered design actually helps you do is kill the bullshit <laughs> no if you do it really well right because you say we're making a new product and why because mm -hmm. it's, we're trying to create engagement or we're we're just trying to make things easier whatever right those are still very much customer facing goals they are still the same types of customer facing goals mm -hmm. even in improving an existing product whatever the case may be we say that's what we're trying to do here's our idea and, and we're going to pursue this let's learn from people how this idea will help us meet this customer facing goal and you go and you do the research the problem is people don't want to do the hard work right. they don't want to invest in that but it's at their own peril so you go and you learn something that suggests the thing we want to do isn't even the thing that will improve engagement. Right. How much is it worth to you as an organization to learn that before you ever write a single line of code, design a single thing, right? as opposed to saying, we don't have time to learn from our customers. That's we don't bullshit. have time to. Well, it is <laughs> yeah. bullshit, but how much is it worth to you? Right. That's the real conversation to have in that, right? right. And that's where user-centered yeah. design really helps people. So right. then let's look at the other end of the spectrum. You have an existing product. Maybe it's been around 30 years. And you can just go through and say, we're going to redesign it. And we'll figure it out later. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. We, we hired a team out of Harvard to redesign this. Let's do it. If they're from Harvard, they should know better. But, <laughs> but I understand what you mean. Depends on which part of Harvard. Yeah. Yeah. But I understand what you mean, right? Uh, and you just move and you just go because, because typically we measure success by action. Mm -hmm. The problem is that's not the right indicator of success. Right. And by the way, we actually call them that explicit thing in Aurelius success indicators. When you say we want to make it, we want to improve usability. What, which of these indicators, which we also suggest we give you recommendations for, by the way, intelligently, sure. which of these success indicators mm -hmm. define what that means for you. Mm hmm. So whatever, long story short. Sounds magical. Well, I don't know if it's magic, but I think it's pretty rad. Mm -hmm. Again, insanely biased, and I will call that out every time. <laughs> That's going to be the quote. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's magic, but it's pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if, you're, if you're improving that, right, and you're trying to say, okay, we're trying to improve usability, you can just go and do what you think it does mm -hmm. to improve usability, and you can literally hit the finish line and hope that that happened. Sure. Or you can start from a place where you literally start with your customers 
right. in helping them define what improved usability is. Because to Ellie's point, we'll, we know what improved usability is. We need to completely redesign the navigation. That's fine. And again, I apologize. I keep referring to Aurelius because it's, it's so integral to even the way I work today. Mm-hmm. And Aurelius, something you would do is you would say, we should redesign the navigation. No problem. Add that as a decision in Aurelius. Guess what? Aurelius is going to ask you what goal that's tied to, and it's going to ask you what research insights you have that support that. Oh, that's amazing. Nice. It, that's what it's going to do. It's going to show you the red text that says you don't have these things <laughs> attached to that, which is okay if you have them in there. You just attach them, right? But if you don't, and I show that to somebody like you, Ellie, if I'm just being genius designer, mm-hmm. you're going to say, what research did we have that supported that? Yeah, but why? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yep. So... Cool. And that is what user-centered design is. So again, what's what's the cost for you? Right. You know, every, every everybody, let's finish it. Let's cross our fingers and roll the dice. <laughs> or let's bring people in early, figure out what that means, sure. make those changes when it's a lot cheaper, or mm-hmm. not do it at all. Or not. And that's do the it. crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. Right? What it's like not to do? No. No action. No action is way right. cheaper than a lot of the wrong action. Or right. or change the perception of of the feature. What if people just don't understand how to use the thing? It's not that the platform that you're trying to measure is broken. It's mm-hmm. that people don't understand it or they can't see yeah. where your features are. They yeah. just have the wrong perception, but maybe, actually it's fine. Maybe they need Clippy to be at the bottom right-hand corner of their screen. Yeah. And Did tell you them. really just bring up Clippy Yeah. in front of Zach? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't... F- I feel like you hold me to some much higher standard. <laughs> <laughs> like Clippy is not welcome to the conversation. We can't with Zach. talk about Clippy in front of Zach. You know, I want to. I want to actually comment on that though. So you were talking. Maybe the people just don't understand it. Yeah. I want to talk about how user-centered design can actually be misconstrued. So there's a really fun story. This is like ages old. Okay. And I don't remember the actual institution, but it was some kind of financial institution, a bank or something like that. Sounds like a bank. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> With all the information I've given you so far, I feel like that's a really it's good definitely gut reaction. A bank. Good call. Maybe insurance. Good yeah. call, Ellie. <laughs> Something to do with money, right? <laughs> By the sound of it. Definitely. So what had happened is these guys and gals went out and they said, we need to improve the customer-facing portal of this thing. So I think they ran a survey or something like that, right? Just very straightforward. And they thought they probably thought they were doing user-centered design. And they asked their customers what they wanted. And by and large, the biggest request came back, more customization. I want to be able to customize this thing. Mm. Great. So what did they do? They spent tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, months of resources, building a ton of customization into their product, this thing. They launched it. It tanked. So huge question marks above their head. Why did this happen? Well, they went and did actual user-centered design and learned how people were using it, and they figured out that nobody wanted to actually customize the thing. They were too lazy to do it. They wanted the customization, but they were too lazy to actually go through and do it. Very different way you would have solved that problem, right? And by the way, well, now you've launched. So again, what's the cost to you (laughs) to not get it right Right. as opposed to learning from people up front? Right. Because now it's not even just the cost of, well, we blew it. Right. (laughs) It's now the cost of, let's undo us blowing it. Right. It's either that or it's a big-ass marketing spend to make everybody feel happy about us blowing it, right? <laughs> like, Here's how you which is, hey, things. Let's just, let's just like call it for what it is. That's how the world works sometimes. Yeah. So either way, yeah. you actually have now double the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever anyone calls for massive customizations, I'm just like, BS. No one's going to do mm-hmm. that. 
okay. I have a couple of ideas, but I want to hear from you. Even if we're not designers, we're not developers, we're not building a product, mm-hmm. whatever. How can we think about user-centered design in our daily lives? Because I think there's a lot of examples of it mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways that um, it can actually m- enhance and make our lives better. Not as a, it doesn't have to be like, oh yeah, I'm doing UCD. But it's like, it, it, uh, I guess empathy, like a shift in empathy mm-hmm. for the things you do and taking the actions. And it, I, I also think it ties in with mindfulness in some ways. Yes. So do, you, do you have ideas? I think the mindfulness thing is a really good place to even start that conversation. I have like a big answer okay, and then a small answer. Okay. Which the one do you want to do first? Uh, uh, let's just do the small answer. The okay. small answer is very much more mindfulness. So if you think about how you do your work today, yeah, you do your work today based on the needs of the people asking you to do that work, which who, who are they typically? It doesn't matter where you work in your organization. Right. It's other people in your organization, which right. means you're serving their needs before you are anybody else's. Right. So the smallest thing that you can do is, is to consider everything you do in your day and even how you're doing it. Is there some other way we can do it where we're benefiting our customer better? Right. The problem Or each there, other. Yeah. Well, each, each other, if you're doing that, I mean, not to say like we shouldn't take care of ourselves, of course, but... No, but if you can create efficiencies within your organization, you're going to be better for your customer. You should be, right. And that's just it, right, where I was going with it. And that actually, it's a good segue into the big answer, right? Okay. So the big answer should be if, first of all, to be user-centered every day, uh, your company has to have that culture. It really does. And there's a lot of people who say they have that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is an exponentially smaller percentage who actually live it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the end of the day, there should be very clear rubric or whatever, right? Something you can point to to say, well, I see how what I'm doing will help us support or achieve this larger customer experience goal that was set forth by our entire company. Mm-hmm. We're, we're saying we're trying to strive for this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can see how what I'm doing is going to you know, impact that how in it some ladders way. up. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, uh, a lot of companies, just frankly, don't do that kind of organizational strategy. Or if they do, it's kind of pillow talk, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's fluff. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say that. But the ones that do it really well, you can see directly how it ties into that. Do you have examples? Yeah, of course. So if you say we want to make the process of sharing articles on our website the easiest we can for product managers, mm-hmm. that's incredibly specific. If you say that for everybody across the organization, well, everything you do, right, even in the way it, the technology you choose, the design that you make, sure, those are the easy ones. But let's think about operations. What articles are going to be more shareable? Which ones are going, you know, like, as you're doing content creation, you can start to think to yourself, well, we want people to share this. Our intention is to help our customers share this. Mm -hmm. So provide them content that's shareable. That's not a design problem. I mean, it's partly a design problem, but it's not a technology problem. It's not right, but that's, you can see how you'd put yourself in those shoes. Well, I think the the reason a lot of organizations can't get, get to that point is that they say they're, even if they don't say they're, they're siloed you know it's are you cross-functional or siloed and i see a lot of organizations that say they're Mm cross-functional but really there's big walls between all their departments so you Mm -hmm. can't get to that and i love how um with when you have the right metrics if they've been defined in the right way or the right the right business goals you every person from every part of the company can look at that and go how can i move the needle Mm -hmm. on this goal Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter where you're sitting that you can that you can be part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would 
I would add to that, again, in a way Aurelius actually does it, is even if you just think of saying, okay, so we, what, did we, what was our example? We want to improve article sharing functionality for yeah. all of our mm-hmm. customers, all yeah. of our product managers yep. who, who use this. Okay, fine. That sounds probably like an engagement goal to me, mm-hmm. increased engagement. So we can define further what that means. Well, we will see more of this action taken. That is, that is a part of a definition of that goal, right. increased engagement. Um, there are probably others, but even so that, we see, okay, more articles shared per person. We see more articles shared overall. And what do you, but what do you want? What do you want to come of that sharing? What sure. Are, well, that's the business side of the house, right? right? So you should be marrying those up. But even, even right. if you don't have that, like that's, that's the business side of the house that should own that. And that's cool. And you're totally right. But you're asking about you being user centered every day. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm aware of that and I know that m- more total articles getting shared and uh, more articles shared per person or whatever or things that should happen. Mm-hmm. You know, again, even as a content person, I can go through historically and say, well, where were our best times for that and what kind of content was happening? Yep. It's not even like a design problem, a technology problem. Right. You don't but, have to develop anything. Right, yeah. right, right. You know, and operationally, we can look at some things that support that as well. But I think there's even examples like I was trying to schedule a group of people to be in the same place at the same time. And I didn't have access to all of their calendars because they all came from different different organizations. So there's a couple of ways I can approach that. I can shoot out an email saying, hey guys, I need to get you together uh, around the week of such and such. What is your availability? Or I can send out an email saying, hey guys, I have a couple of openings. Can you let me know which one works best for you? This time, this time, or this time? Mm-hmm. And have them just get back to me so I can do the, the heavy lifting of figuring out for mm-hmm. them. You know, all they have to do is look at the list and go, yep, I can make that second one work. And then I just collate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think of that as user-centered design too. Is, it is. I want to get good results for the action that I'm taking. So I'm going to choose carefully how I ask the question and just make it easy for the user to, to respond. Yeah. I think we can find examples of that. Like regardless of what kind of job we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally true. And uh, and there's actually a book written about that kind of entire psychological principle you just described. Yeah. Uh, about just reducing friction. Is it called making experience. shit easy for people? No, <laughs> no but that, I would write that book. <laughs> um, <laughs> I. Uh, if you want something, make shit easy. Yeah, I think it's called the effortless customer experience, something like that. The whole book, the whole point of the book is reducing friction yeah. between things. And so what you just described is that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it really is actually rooted in psychology, by the way, to get nerdy on you, which I suspect <laughs> you want me to, which is why yeah, I'm sitting here. Yeah, that's why you're here. Um, the psychology of that is it's a lot easier for us to process like a recognition of something right. than having to remember it. And what I mean by in that example is you are giving me times and I can recognize whether or not those times are booked for me a lot easier than I can remember what times I have open right. through like, uh, you know, in this case, maybe an eight hour time period. Right. So what you've done is you've reduced friction to a degree. Right. And saying, here's your choices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Today I called, uh, because I was trying to make an eye appointment and their website wouldn't let me schedule it. And which pissed me off because I actually didn't really want to talk to anybody. <laughs> so I called them up. I was like, fine, I'll use my lunch break. And I called them up, and then they put me on hold for like 10 minutes. And 
and I sat there stewing. I was like, oh, I'm going to tell Zach about this when he comes over. <laughs> <laughs> Damn because it. he'll solve it. He'll, he'll, get, he'll, he'll get tell him. them how to do this. But it it's, um, we put up with it. I, yeah. I was frustrated. I needed to make the eye appointment, so I endured it. But I felt like I was, <laughs> I felt like I was um, uh, almost, uh, that I was just enabling them to to act that way. So what's our responsibility as consumers and as users to be like, I won't, this won't stand. <laughs> I want to make a wow, fucking yeah. appointment on your website I mean, and I want it to not be a big deal. That's a really big question. I don't have an answer for that. I, I don't have an answer for it. I'll just tell you flat out. Yeah. I do have some musings on it. Kay. So I think, uh, and I, and actually this ties in a little bit to the homework you gave me, but um, <laughs> I think, I believe there are certain products and services and you know which ones they are. Mm-hmm. In this case, this is one of them to a lesser degree where, whatever, to be direct, they've got you by the balls. You have to get an eye appointment. If you have yeah. them as your provider, mm-hmm. like this is something that they are serving to you that you can't, well, in this case, maybe you can live without, but you'd prefer not to. It's a quality of life thing. So. No, I needed it. Right? So you... This isn't really an optional thing for you. No, you can right. go somewhere else, but... So how hard do they really have to try to make that easy for me? I'm going to do it anyway. But, that's but, I'm, s- but I'm grumpy. But no, you no. could go to a different place. Ah, and I was just going to touch on that. And okay. So here's the problem, right? Herein lies the rub with maybe somebody like... It is not a high enough priority for them to fix. I'm, I'm totally guessing. I don't know. I'm sure it's not. I'm going to just it say not a high you're enough. correct. Right. So. It is not a high enough, <laughs> but I can tell you why, uh, and, and my impression as to why. It's not a high enough priority to fix for them because they know, let's actually use the friction example, the friction is much higher for you to figure out how to change to go to a different place than yeah. it is to simply sit on the phone and wait for them. Sure. And guess what? That, that works in fact. business. Yeah. And so they- That's fucked up. It sucks. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to- I'm not going to- <laughs> make any excuses for it but that's my impression as to why mm-hmm. it happens do you want to talk about your homework uh yeah sure my homework assignment was uh to think of an example of a com- a place or a thing that specifically doesn't use user-centered design mm-hmm. right is that what i asked <laughs> yeah along those lines it was basically a product or service that I said you feel shorter. like was successful in spite of being user-centered. Yeah. Uh, so my answer to that question, and I don't have any real facts because I don't know, but my answer would be Craigslist. Hmm. Oh, if that is think, a really good example. If you think about it. Now, again, I don't know how Craigslist was built. I don't know their full backstory, but I can make a pretty safe assumption and, and assume that it wasn't through built user-centered design, right? <laughs> right. Well, it was actually probably built by, whatever, Craig? I don't know. Was, I'm guessing they... Per- I think I'm it guessing was actually it, right? built by, by Craig. Craig. And, yeah. and here's I've what seen happened. him do interviews. His name is Craig. Oh, okay. So there you go. So he had a list. His yeah. name was Craig, and that was his <laughs> list. And then he bought a domain name that mm-hmm. was... Craigslist. Yeah. It was very descriptive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the story. No. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> we all know the rest. Yeah. But here's why, here's why, I mean, and here's why I think that that's, because somebody has actually asked me a similar question before. That's why I have, sorry, I had a really good answer because I've had this kind of conversation. No, no, it's okay. You can recycle. Um, Well, so here's the rub. Again, with Craigslist, who else is doing what Craigslist does? Like, there's there's other companies now. No, it's a verb Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to go Craigslist that. I'm going to go put on Craigslist. Obviously, I would use Craigslist. They beat everybody because they were there first. It wasn't because their product was better. No. And also, mm-hmm. if you really think about it, well, hey, we were talking about taxonomy and like labels of navigation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
there's a couple things at play here. So first of all, Craigslist does not break any conventions whatsoever. No. Autos are called automobiles, cars, and trucks. Like it, these are established um, taxonomies. Yep. The ways of organizing. That, so that's one. Number two, they are not reinventing the wheel. Craigslist no. is Craig's list. Yeah. <laughs> like that's all it is. It was a list of stuff. That's it. And he and he, you know, or they got there first. And yeah. it was like that's it. It was people the, just they just had the users. Yeah, mm-hmm. the intention was just to be an online classified where you didn't have to, p- have to pay a bunch of money. And just in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they added. And I love that. Uh, I love and hate that they never bothered to design design a fucking thing about it. Like yeah, they, they never they did. did. Yeah. They totally changed no, the design. Like they didn't. Around 2010 they, or something yeah, like that. I don't know. I mean, they did something. It was it was well, just I, like the menus and I, some okay, font so changes. Similar and example is LinkedIn. So LinkedIn gets there first. Uh, I don't know if you remember the early early days of LinkedIn. I can try. It was a piece of shit. It was terrible. It okay. Did, it was similar to Craigslist. Not a not a bit of design. Mm. Just total. It was a total prototype. Well, and you had to provide credentials for everyone, or you couldn't add them. Yeah, oh, you couldn't really terrible. do any networking. Yeah. I was like, well, you can network if you already yeah, networked. If you already know IRL. this person, <laughs> you can you can input their email address, uh. and we will email them you have directly. To prove it. Yeah, yeah. So oh. you still kind of have to do that, but you everyone don't know them. You can yeah. lie. You don't, you don't have to them, put you their. Can, yeah. You don't have to put their. You don't have to put their email in anyway. Anyway, if you choose friend, I think yeah. you have to. Anyway, LinkedIn started designing sh- shit, and and then it made it unusable. It's so hard to use. I don't understand how to use. It's like as hard for me to use as Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> Snapchat, I don't even know what's going on. Oh, here's yeah, but Snapchat, we are. I get that the kids do. I was gonna and say I'm one hundred percent certain Snapchat. We do not follow in their target it's audience not, whatsoever. No, it's not for me. <laughs> I literally okay. saw a kid. And he probably was in high school. I literally saw him check like over a dozen snaps in a 30-second time period before a movie started once. Yeah. I yeah. lost my fucking mind. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anybody burn through that much digital information in that shorter time period yeah. at all. Like, and the yeah. thing is, is like you can tell like he actually got what was happening, but it was just like... Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Well, me and a friend from work took three days to get connected on Snapchat in the first place. So now we snap each other just out of spite to the thing because we're like, well... It took us as long to figure out how to be friends. One of our younger colleagues was like, oh, my God, you guys are so embarrassing. Because we were standing at each other's desks <laughs> trying to. <laughs> it, that's a different podcast. Bumping the phones Snap- together, hoping that Snapchat. the Snapchat connection. <laughs> Snapchat, not for me. I'm too not old. for me either. I yeah. had a lot of people who were like when it was just gaining its popularity. Like, you have to get on it. No, you have I don't. to get on it. I got on it. I do, I'm not on it anymore. I yeah. Use, I have an account, but I, I don't use it. I got on it, and then I deleted it because I was like, fuck this shit. And then I got back on it, and now I have a couple people that will send me snaps mm-hmm. like once a month. I think here's what's really happened for Snapchat with me. I was on it, and I was like, yeah, I'll play this game for a little while. When we're out at, you know, at the bar having yeah. some drinks or whatever. And then that died, and I was like, I actually don't care about the images you're sending me anymore. Right. And yeah. so they realize that and then those people have even stopped sending me stuff. <laughs> right. So I just get nothing. I get yeah. Snapchats snaps you to, know, to me. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. I the get Snapchat team. Somebody mm-hmm. totally freaked me out the other day because they added a feature where you can live video chat. 
Mm. But you have to hold down the secret button and you have to be in a certain place in the app. I don't know how to recreate this, but all of a sudden I was talking to someone real time, like FaceTiming, but it was Snapchat and it, Mm -hmm. it, it was, it was great, but it was like accidentally answering the phone. Right, yeah. and you're like, no, I'm not. What in a why? In, a, in, in a potentially compromising situation? Why nonetheless? are we talking with video <laughs> chat right now? So it kind of, kind of freaked me out. Anyway, let's go to the. Do you know about the random questions jar? Uh, yeah, I'm the, familiar from. I can enunciate it is the thus. random questions jar. So grab a question, and then see that blank sheet of paper is for you to add a question afterwards. Oh, okay. After we're off off the air hmm. from our fancy radio show. After it's in the can. No, Josh. It's not in the can until you edit it. <laughs> Is this like a big reveal? I've heard it both ways. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> it's not a big reveal. Okay. So I should read it. Yeah, you yeah. should. Are roller coasters more scary forwards or backwards? Well, is Do that they go sitting, in it ba- sitting in it forward or backwards? Or, ra- or if it's moving forward or back? Well, isn't that kind of the same thing? No. I didn't know they moved backwards. You could move. You could be sitting backwards and moving forward like the train. <coughs> oh, that would be mm. freaky. I'm thinking a fairly odd coaster. I'm not mm. familiar. It's at the Mall of America. You oh. should go. <laughs> I've been, just not to that coaster. <laughs> I've, I've been. <laughs> I've been. Um. Uh, I don't know. Do you I don't... like roller coasters? Yeah, I do. So I don't. I'm not. Do you ride forwards or backwards? I both. I'm in equal roller coaster riding. Do you think one is scarier than the other? I don't really think any are scary. Oh, um, this was a bad question that, for Zach. Not that, not that not I'm, scared. I'm not claiming like some overdrive masculinity here. I'm just saying like I just generally enjoy so you roller don't, coasters. You don't live in terror, fearing that a bolt will snap and shoot tell, you off. Don't get me side. wrong. Tell don't Josh get me wrong. what that's like. As, <laughs> yeah, because I don't know what that's like. As in... As an incredibly type A type person, <laughs> the thought goes through my mind. It's just okay. not something I, I like you know carry with me it's, in terms of fear. It's prohibitive for me. Yeah, I can so. I can get it. Yeah, it I is. Get it. <laughs> I get nervous about the really high stuff. Okay. So, mm-hmm. and, and typically once it's just like really high, they're just like we're just gonna drop you straight down. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is a re- like a record high. I'll still ride them. Right. But those are the ones I get. But no but roller coaster is not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. There was. What uh, about the train? Would you ride the do, when you hop on the train? Do you go frontwards or backwards? Some people have a distinct I don't preference. Even think about it. It's whatever seats open. You don't care. Bus the same way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Maybe this question. I don't know. I I feel like I've let the show down. No. No. I don't <laughs> think no. This was a very interesting. <laughs> I don't think you have. Very interesting perspective. Are they scary forwards or backwards? No, I can really. The only answer think is no. N- what? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I can only think of really one that went backwards though. It was at. Uh, oh God, Cedar Point. I don't even know okay. what that is. It's in Ohio, so I'm originally from mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's in Ohio. Uh, yeah, it's cool. It goes up and twists, and then goes. It literally, you literally go backwards, twist down, and then up, up the other way and twist. Yeah. And there so w- there's two sides. It's hmm. just everybody's facing. Wow. Different angles. Yep. I didn't have to say hell no to that. (laughs) There was a ride at the Mall of America that I went on that I had to close my eyes for. (laughs) Because I thought I was going to die. Which one? The Mall of America? Yeah, they put a new ride in. 
And Never it, go to Cedar Point. They only have like super extreme shit at Cedar Point. Really? It's great. See, yeah. I like the kids' rides. At Cedar I'm Point. I'm good with the kids' stuff. At Cedar Point, I can't. Uh, the Millennium Force was I, the name of it. I loved this roller coaster. Mm. For the longest time, it was the fastest one in the world. It went over okay. 90 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. The instance of, and so 90? This is, yeah. No. Yes. Nope. I'm, so I believe is, you. I'm just saying no. It was so awesome. And so this is the thing is like. And they actually, this is actually a really good uh, example of a great experience design actually as well. So okay. what happens is the the first initial drop, because I don't know if you guys are aware of this, the physics of roller coasters, they're not like powertrain driven. Right. They are purely driven by the initial drop. Gravity, force. Yeah. That's yeah. exact. That's yep. all, right? So the first drop to go that fast and maintain that kind of speed throughout the entire thing is insanely, it's like higher mm-hmm. than the Empire, st- or sorry, the uh, Statue of Liberty. Okay. You go higher than that before you drop. And it's <laughs> Josh like, is dying just The angle, about I'm it. not kidding you, is like this. You you essentially go straight <laughs> up and down on a roller coaster. It's not like one of those tower right. drops, yeah. right? Right. It's nuts. But it's awesome because what they do, instead of the clink, 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 and you're sitting there going, wow, this really sucks. I can see everything and it's going really slow. So and this slow. is high as all fuck. Yeah. No, what it does is it's got this little thing that comes down latches onto your cart and zooms you up and just basically flings you off oh, no. oh my god it's awesome so you go up almost as fast as you go down no oh, it's probably like half the speed but oh, it's no. it's great josh isn't gonna be able to sleep tonight no. <laughs> oh that sounds so terrible they have one that goes even life. faster than that no um, why and humans? all it does literally why? all it does uh, is it's uh i think it's called like it's basically it's basically some kind of dragster like the way it starts you yeah. sit you're sitting flat and, it, and it, there's literally drag racing lights. And yeah. it just... And it goes like over 100 miles an hour and just shoots you up this big loop. Wow. And then back down. And that's all the ride is. And you wait like an hour for it. And it's fantastic. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. It's super cool. Cedar I got to awesome. admit, I'm probably not even going to ever go to Ohio. Not even just not <laughs> Is Cedar it o- Point. Ohio or is it Ohio? Ohio. Ohio? It's Ohio. Okay. It's Ohio. The O is pronounced O. Okay. Zach, it was awesome having you on the show. I hope super so. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks. Yes, now you have to write pleasure. a question. But we'll we'll take that. We'll take that off. off cam. We'll take that. We'll off, take that offline. Offline. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Get us out of here. Thanks again for listening, humans. As always, you can find us on Twitter at ProHumans, on our Facebook page ProHumans Podcast on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash prohumans, or go the easy route and log on to prohumans.com where you can find all that stuff and more. This is Danger wishing you a professional week.